Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Hey, uh, as Cheryl just said, we are in the midst of this summer, we're in the midst of the third year of what we call our preaching cohort, which is that we have various voices from within the church, people that uh, feel like God has put on them both the gifting and also the call to uh, share God's word and to uh, learn how to preach, learn how to communicate well uh, God's word. And so this morning, we have a, just a great opportunity, one of our own. Uh, some of you, well, many of you guys know Lauren McDonough. She has been on the screen before. She has been in the midst of this church, buried deep in it, uh, for many years. She has been our worship intern. She has been our youth intern. She is presently the longest running, I think, intern on the planet, I think, with children's ministry. Um, she continues to just pour herself into this, into the life of this church. And this morning, we're excited um, to welcome her. I, I, wanna, I want you guys to know also that beyond all that, um, Lauren is also the regional Greek coordinator. She doesn't even know this title fully well, but she told me this is the official one. Regional Greek coordinator uh, for New England with InterVarsity. And so she has a lot going on. And so as you see her, as you, you know, watch her this morning, uh, lift her up. She can use all the prayer and all the support she can get as well with as much as she's juggling. But we are so thankful to have her and to have her be sharing God's word with, her, with us this morning. So welcome Lauren this morning. Thank you, Pastor Van. Um, good morning, Christ Church. It's so good to get to be with you all this morning. Um, as Pastor Van said, my name is Lauren. Um, I serve as the interim children's director here at Christ Church. Um, and then I also work full-time with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship where I serve fraternity and sorority students all over New England. Um, and I really love both of my jobs, um, and I love this church. I love all that God is doing here. And I'm so excited to get to share from the Word of God with you today. So really quickly, a couple things about me. So first, I have the privilege of living down on Main Street here in East Greenwich. Um, I love this town, and I love getting to be among the hustle and bustle and the energy in this season as things begin to open back up. I love the restaurants that are reopening. I love that we had a parade downtown a couple weeks ago. Um, I love seeing tourists. I didn't think I'd ever say that. I love seeing tourists come back into town. Um, it's awesome to get to be in the middle of just seeing life breathed back into this town. Um, my favorite place in the entire world is the beach. I'm sure there's some beach lovers in here. And you can find me at the beach in uh, the dead of winter when it's snowing outside or on a hot day like we had last week. I love to sit on the beach. I love to hang out on the beach. I love to surf. I love to swim. Any excuse to go hang out at the beach, and I am there. And finally, um, the third thing about me is I love a good celebration. So I can find any excuse in the entire world to gather together my friends, to gather together my family, my coworkers, and throw a celebration. So it might be for someone's birthday, or it might be because someone finished school and we're celebrating that, or it might just be Friday and we're celebrating that we made it through the week, or honestly, it might just be Tuesday and we're celebrating that we made it through Monday. <laughs> any reason to have a celebration. Um, but one of my favorite celebrations to go to is to weddings. I love a good wedding. I love getting dressed up. I love going and dancing on the dance floor with my friends. I love any excuse to go to a wedding. But here's the thing about weddings. Unless you're one of those crazy wedding crashers, and I'm sure we don't have any of those in this room today, 
But unless you're one of those crazy wedding crashers, you really only go to a wedding if you're invited, if you get an invitation in the mail. Your invitation is your key to getting in the door of that wedding. And you know, Jesus, he loved weddings too. So this morning, we're gonna look at a passage of scripture about Jesus and a wedding that he attended. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can open to John 2, 1 through 11. And would you all stand and join me for the reading of God's word? The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So this morning, I'm titling this sermon, The Invitation. God, I thank you that you have invited us here today. Um, I thank you that we are in this place together, that we're online at home, but we get to gather together as a church family. Lord, I pray that you would make us in tune to what you wanna do in this space this morning. God, we wanna be present for what you wanna do in us, what you wanna do through us, and what you wanna do around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So back when I was in college, um, one of my best friends had this brilliant idea. Her cousin was getting married, and she wanted to organize a group of complete strangers to show up to the wedding and flash mob on the dance floor. And at the time, there were all those crazy flash mob videos going around, you know, the ones on YouTube where people would show up at uh, like birthday parties or work rooms or in the lunchroom at school and they would do these crazy flash mob dances. And she thought, how fun would it be to surprise her cousin with this on her wedding day? So one by one, she began to recruit all her friends to be the wedding crashers. And of course, like I said before, I love a good wedding. I love a celebration. And so I was all in on this idea. I mean, we spent weeks and weeks and weeks choreographing the dances, coming up with matching outfits, practicing, until finally that day came. We all piled into cars and drove down to Connecticut for our big wedding crashing debut. But when we got there, this funny thing happened. The bouncers wouldn't let us in. And as hard as my friend tried to convince them that I invited them, they're with me, I promise they're allowed in, the bouncer would not let us in. No invitation, 
no wedding. So at this point, any normal person would have probably gotten in their car and walked away and driven home and gone home defeated. But let me let you in on a little secret. If you look hard enough, there is always a back door into the wedding, always another way into the wedding, at least the weddings that I've been to. But that's a story for another time. When I imagine Jesus's life, I imagine that he was pretty busy. You know, he had things going on. He had places to be. He had people to see. And while a wedding is a pretty regular event, I'm sure all of us in this room have been to a wedding at one point in our lives, it wouldn't be the place that I would expect to find Jesus. So why does he show up at this wedding? Why does he show up? Well, in short, he shows up because he's invited. He didn't crash this wedding and dance on the dance floor like I did. He was invited to this wedding. He received an invitation. We read in verse one and two, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Jesus shows up to the wedding because he's invited. God will show up in your workplace. He will show up at your happy hour. He will show up on Saturday morning at the golf course if you invite him to. He'll show up in the ordinary, the everyday, the mundane places of our lives. God will show up if you invite him. But here's the thing. So often, I think we choose not to. We choose not to invite God into those places. We like God to show up in our normal, predictable places. We like to put him in a box with nice, neat bows and wrapping paper and settle for him to show up in places like church on Sunday or maybe our C3 group on a Wednesday night or maybe at CC Kids or at 1025. We like for God to show up in the normal and the predictable places of our lives. When I read scripture, I sort of expect for God to show up in those places. You know, like I expect God to show up at the temple. I expect God to show up at church on Sunday. But at a wedding? At a party? God won't invade our lives. He doesn't crash our weddings and show up uninvited. He won't flash mob the dance floor without being asked. He waits for an invitation. So the thing I love about this story is it doesn't just stop with Jesus being invited and showing up at the wedding. Jesus doesn't just come to the wedding and make an appearance. You know, when you show up to the party, you show your face for a little bit, maybe grab a glass of wine, walk around, then sneak out the back door 20 minutes later. Instead, Jesus shows up to this wedding and he stays a while, a long while, maybe way too long. In fact, he stays until the point that this wedding has completely run out of wine. We read in verse three, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. So my guess is this is not just a couple of hours into the wedding. In Jewish tradition, weddings were these long, lavish celebrations that lasted multiple days. So this might have been day two or day three, of this wedding, Jesus is still there and there's this crisis. They've run out of wine. 
And I know what you're thinking. Lauren, this is hardly a crisis. I've run out of wine before. They can run down to the store and get some more. But in Jesus's day, this would have been a crisis. Culturally speaking, running out of wine at a wedding was something that would bring incredible shame to the family. It would bring incredible shame to this brand new marriage. It would be a sign of bad hospitality in a culture that deeply valued hospitality. It would show that they had not prepared well for the celebration. They had not gotten enough wine. This was a crisis, and it had the potential to impact this family and this marriage for years to come. One of the places we don't like to invite God is into our places of crisis. We don't like it when God sticks around for that moment of crisis, when the party runs out of wine. But here's the thing, God will be present in our broken relationships, in the places of failure, in the broken, the messy, the imperfect places of our life, if we let him. The places maybe we'd rather smooth over or shove under a rug or pretend that never happened, God wants to be present there if we let him. God doesn't just want to make, wants to make an appearance in our life. He doesn't just want to show up at our party and stay for 20 minutes and then leave out the back door. He wants to be invited, but then he's willing to stay for the messy, the imperfect, the crisis situations. He's willing to stay until the wine runs out. He's not afraid of that. It doesn't scare him. He's not ashamed of it. He knows who we are. And his relationship with each of us is more important than the brokenness in our lives. So Jesus is invited to this wedding. He stays a while. There's this crisis. And then what happens? Well, let's keep reading. So standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial watching, washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants to fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, but you have kept the best until now. Now these jars, they weren't just any old jars. In the Jewish faith, they were actually the jars that were used for ritual ceremonial washing. In the Jewish religion, it involved a lot of washing and unclean things. And these jars would hold all the water that it would take for a family to do that ceremonial washing. And surprise, surprise, they're not the logical containers to make wine in. So he has the servants fill the jars with water, and he performs this miracle. He turns the water into wine. He saves this family from incredible shame, and he turns this party around. Do we realize that what Jesus actually does is he doesn't just turn this party around. He actually propels it forward. He keeps it going. He makes it better than it was before. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, he realized that they had brought out the better wine second. He actually makes 
the party better than it was before. Jesus showed up and he did something extraordinary in an unexpected and unlikely way. God will take the things in your life that seem beyond repair and turn them into something beautiful. Not just beautiful, God will take the things in your life that seem beyond repair and turn them into beyond expectation. And not just beyond expectation, God will take the things in your life and turn them into the best ever. If you let him. He will show up and bring restoration and healing and new life into the most broken, messed up, and difficult situations in your life. If you let him. He takes this party that is headed for disaster and completely turns it around. He takes our problems and he turns them into praise. He takes our weakness and he turns them into wonder. He takes our catastrophe and turns it into a crowning achievement. If you let him. Everything that happened at this wedding started with this invitation for Jesus to come to the wedding. Everything that happened at this wedding started with that invitation. So where does God wanna be invited into your life? Where does God wanna be invited into your life? Where are the everyday, the mundane places of your life that God actually wants an invitation into? Where are the celebrations, like the weddings that he needs to be invited into? Where are the failures and the places of shame that he needs to be invited into? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your family and your family dynamics. Maybe it's that Sunday afternoon football hangout that you have with the guys every Sunday. Maybe it's the soccer field. Maybe it's your classroom. But I want us to ask ourselves this this morning, and I want us to be honest with ourselves. Where are those places in my life, and why do I choose not to invite God into them? If you're anything like me, there's probably like a bunch of ideas that start popping in your mind about places. Um, And what I want us to think about is why don't we invite God into those places? Why don't we invite God into those places? So a couple of things. So first, I think we often don't invite God because we are afraid that he won't show up. No one likes to send out an invite and be rejected. No one likes to be ghosted. It doesn't make us feel good. It can be scary and even vulnerable to put ourselves out there with God and not know what the result is going to be. If I invite God to show up in my family situation and he doesn't, what then? If I invite God to show up with that conversation with one of my friends and I'm bold and I share my faith with him and God doesn't show up, what then? We extend the invitation, but we don't know how or if God is going to show up. And that can be scary. So second, sometimes I think we don't invite God because we are afraid that he will see our weakness. We are afraid that he will see our weakness. 
I don't know about you, but I like to come to church, you know, all put together, thinking I have it all together. I don't love showing anybody, let alone God, my weaknesses, my failures, those places that I need help in my life, the places that I don't have it all together, the sin in my life, the places that I've messed up. Inviting God into the everyday places of our life will often reveal those places that we don't have it all together. Like in this story, Jesus was invited to the wedding and he stayed until this crisis moment happened. So a couple of months ago, I was meeting with a student of mine. Um, He's this fraternity man um, and he was working to start a Bible study in his fraternity. And he was dead afraid to invite his friends to this Bible study. And he calls me one night and he goes, Lauren, I am not a good enough Christian to invite my friends to study the Bible with me. What if I put myself out there and they see you right through it? What if I put myself out there and they make fun of me? What then, Lauren? What will I do then? And third, sometimes we don't invite God because we're afraid that he won't fix the problem. We don't know how God is going to do it or what he's going to do. And a couple years ago, I was sitting with this sorority woman that I disciple, and I was encouraging her in this very thing. What would it look like for you if you brought God along with you to a college fraternity party and you actively looked for the ways that God was at work in your midst? And she looks at me and looks down and looks at me. She goes, well, Lauren, if I did that, then I might, you know, actually have to, you know, tell someone I'm a Christian. When we invite God to show up, it can often press against those places of comfortability. This sorority woman was good with God showing up at church. She was good with God showing up when she and I met one-on-one in a coffee shop. She was good with God showing up around her Christian friends. But actively inviting God to come along with her to a fraternity party? Can God actually do something there? The cool thing is her story didn't just stop there. It actually started there. Um, She went on to own the fact that she was a Christian um, and started to share her faith with her friends. And ultimately, in her time in college, she started an entire campus ministry that now reaches over 50 fraternity and sorority students. She took the risk and she invited God into her every day. And you know what? God showed up in an incredible and unlikely way. God wants to be invited into the everyday parts of our lives, into everything, the celebrations, the fears, the failures. He wants to be invited. But here's the thing. We are the ones who miss out when we choose not to invite him. We miss out on what God might want to do in us, what God might want to do through us, and what God might want to do in the community around us. If Jesus wasn't invited to this wedding, this miracle probably wouldn't have happened. And not only would this crisis have totally wrecked the party, but it would have brought incredible shame to this family and to this marriage. The guests would have been embarrassed. 
It would have wrecked relationships for years to come. If Jesus wasn't invited to this wedding, everything would have been different. The passage we read this morning closes with this verse. Verse 11 says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Do you wanna see God's glory in your life? Do you wanna see God take your places of failure, your places of disaster, your places of crisis and turn them into the best thing ever? When we choose not to invite God into our everyday places, like the weddings, our family gatherings, our hangouts with our friends, our Super Bowl parties, our workplace, we actually miss out on what God might wanna reveal, what might wanna do in that place, how he might wanna reveal his glory to us in the everyday, unexpected places. We miss out on some of the most potentially foundational experiences of our faith that like the disciples in this story, seeing God reveal his glory could actually lead us to a greater belief in who God is in his love and his care for us, in the ways that he is actively bringing about good in the world around us. So where are the places that you wanna invite God into your life this week? How might God want to show up in your life and reveal his glory to you? God, I thank you that when we extend the invitation, Lord, that you show up God, that in the, like in this story, Lord, that you showed up um, and you worked something unimaginable out of a crisis situation. Lord, and I pray as we step out as a church and step out as individuals into faith, into inviting you to show up in our lives, Lord, that we would see these kind of miracles in our everyday, Lord, that we would see ways that you want to take those crisis moments and turn them into places of glory. So Lord, I pray that even as we walk out of this place this morning, that you would be showing us where are the places that you wanna be invited and how can we extend that invitation to you. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.